Hi guys and welcome back to the Physiopod and today's episode on rotator cuff tears. I met with Matt to discuss this very topic, to look at the different types of rotator cuff tears and how you can manage them. Hello Matt, how are you? Hi Josh, I'm really good thank you. Good. And yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Not Good. too bad, thank you. Yeah, bit sort of bungy, so hopefully this sounds okay. <laughs> also, hopefully I can get through it without coughing. So that fingers crossed. Okay, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, so we're here to talk about shoulders and rotator cuff tears, and I I quite like the idea of us trying to answer the question: rotator cuff tears. Does it matter? Oh, okay. How right. does that sound? Yeah, 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 we can do that. Fine. So hopefully, 20 minutes from now, we're going to have an answer for that question. Yes. <laughs> if, uh, as a starting point, let's let's discuss and let's just quickly recap for people listening, what is the rotator cuff and what does it do? Right. So the shoulder is a phenomenal area, okay? I personally like the shoulder, um, uh, and and I think you'd agree that a lot of people as clinicians find it complicated, but actually um, it, it's brilliant in that um, the shoulder provides you with all different planes of movement. You can do loads of things over your head, you do loads of things down below, it can push, it can pull, it can do everything. And, um, and the rotator cuff is the series of little muscles that allow stability at the shoulder when it needs it for then the power muscles to work. Mm -hmm. And that stability, it doesn't need it as I put my arm in the air, but they get involved in that movement and, and the alignment of the shoulder and the way it pulls itself up in little increments. Mm -hmm. uh, and you won't even notice they're taking place. Um, but that's the that's the key bit of the rotator cuff. And I think it's probably worth reminding that actually that's significant because actually the shoulder, unlike most joints of the body, naturally lacks structural stability doesn't it from the ligaments and the joint itself yeah. so there's no so bony there's no bony limits etc yeah yeah that's right but those muscles are actually unique in the fact that they provide a huge amount of stability for that joint where actually in most of the joints that comes from the joint structure ligaments capsule blah blah, blah. Yeah. yeah that's right that's right yeah yeah um so they've obviously got a a unique role but also a really important role mm. Because of that use, it sometimes can go in inverted commas wrong. Let's let's go with that for now. Um, so what does it look like if the rotator cuff become torn? And if we maybe look at a scenario where that's been in a moment and then also maybe builds over time. Gotcha. So the the there's a traumatic situation. I go to throw something and that throw is stopped mid-flight and that action can can create a tear in the rotator cuff. Uh, I could fall on an outstretched hand, that, that action can create a tear in the rotator cuff. Uh, and then you can get, and this is this I believe is probably the, the predominance of injury to the rotator cuff, is lack of use. Mm. So modern life is below the shoulder, hands below the shoulder, kettle, computer, driving, all things that happen below the shoulder and um, sitting, 
reading a book, you know, or, or TV, remote control, all these things. Um, and then very rarely do people put their hands above their head. And if they do, it's to get a cup, something out of a cupboard, right? Yeah. And so the rotator cuff muscles aren't being challenged to the, to the greatest degree. Mm-hmm. And so you've got degeneration in those rotator cuff muscles. You've yeah. got, you've got weakness. You're starting from a weak position already. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can then get degeneration in the shoulder joint at certain ages. You can get repeated micro traumas, but those, those micro traumas will happen because the shoulder muscles are weak. Mm. Um, and all of these things can create a rotator cuff tear. All right. And that tear can be in the muscle, in the muscle or tendon junction. Mm-hmm. It can be a little bit in the tendon. Uh, and we often use, a, there's lots of different terms that are used. And I think the best way for me to, um, to understand it is I take the medical terms like, um, uh, if you have an ultrasound scan, they'll grade what level of tear it is. Yeah right and to, and they'll split it into a small medium or large tear or massive tear mm-hmm. uh, in in a clinical situation you can't really do that so you end up looking at okay the only way you can do it is if the muscle just doesn't work mm-hmm. so you have to take the the um, radiology work the ultrasound information or the mri information uh and say okay that's a grade that it's at from a clinical perspective i've still got to strengthen it i've still got to move it around i've still got to i've still got to so it, it sort of it hasn't it has a, an influence on what we do but it but the the basics of what we do with rotator cuff tears aren't aren't massive mm. um so it, it, it can be split into different types of tear they can go in different directions um they um they can affect one of the four muscles of the rotator cuff yeah um and and then the the rehab from that is different out of um sort of curiosity i guess and maybe just something just to delve into just quickly then if we look maybe more at that traumatic scenario and then i think then if we then look at the sort of one that's just built over time and almost probably get to the point where we compare the two i guess let's just have a look at that traumatic one um yeah. if someone's had a traumatic incident done something like you said throw landed whatever it might be and then yeah. there's a cuff tear yeah. what would that process look like from looking at it you'd you'd get to see it quite quickly or or the person would know uh, that that arm wasn't working Mm -hmm. and um and it would look and this isn't i suppose you have to remember that there are other things that can look like this okay it would look like it wouldn't it just wouldn't function Mm. in certain movements so for example with the supraspinatus that's the top of the rotator cuff muscles uh it would be hard so hard to take your arm out to the side and um, with with a tear through uh, subscapularis, which is which is the main one that's involved in internal rotation of the arm or, or bringing your palm to your tummy, mm-hmm. um, that that one 
uh, you would struggle to put your hand round your back to tuck your shirt in. Yeah. So uh, you'd have you'd have immediate limits. Yeah. To the to the problem, you'd 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 know you've done something. Mm-hmm. Um, the level of pain would be more than you think, and and then people go through this uh, go through this sort of situation of oh, I've done something wrong here. This is terrible. I know it's broken. Oh, I can't believe I've done it. Yeah. yeah. And there's a there's a normal situation where we all catastrophize what's happened, mm. right? But then if that continues, I, I just can't move it. I just can't move it. It's likely that you have done something. Yeah. Right. And so that's the key bit. Now, initially that that traumatic injury from a from a, a treatment perspective, you want to um try and create the best conditions for healing to take place. Yeah. Okay, so you know something's damaged. It in an ideal world, I'd get that confirmed on a on an ultrasound scan or on a on an MRI scan. Yeah. Then I would during that time that I'm either waiting a little bit for that, or I would start to allow them encourage the muscle tissue to heal together well. Right, and what that involves is some a short period of immobilization. Mm-hmm. Right, and then you can do it in two ways. All right, you can be the maverick way, and you can be the the cautious way. So the cautious way is to not move it too much. Yeah, yeah. And the maverick way is to is to have enough awareness to ask little questions of the muscle. I like how you left the maverick way last, like a big build up. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can't you can't rush to the maverick way. You've got to have a good old think about the maverick <laughs> way. So you you'd ask it. So for example, if I tore my supraspinatus, my arm wouldn't move out to the side. Yeah. How would I make that better? I'd give it loads of rest, and then once or twice a day, I'd ask it to. I'd, I'd try and take my hand slightly away from my body until mm-hmm. I could feel the tightness taking place at the top of my yeah. shoulder. And that, and so I'm working off symptoms. If I create sharp pain, I've gone too far. Yeah. So you'd have to have a real awareness if you were going to do it the maverick way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's easier to just immobilize it um, for a period of time. Uh, the 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 um, the muscle would react. You could argue it would react well to the rest, and you could argue it would react well to the to the maverick moving it slightly. Um, but but everything's done on symptoms with yeah. with this situation. I think. Yeah, I feel like there's a bit of risk and reward, isn't there, with the maverick thing? Because I think it's that thing of so we have a term that we use optimal loading. So it's that. Mm. Thing. That's so right. Do as much as you can manage without doing any more than that. Yep. Um, that's and that's generally quite a good way to go because we get sort of everything working. You know, obviously, your body's designed to keep working as best as possible. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, and that, it's when you bring that in as well, isn't it? Is yeah. when you bring in that type of movement, there are different there are different ideas about that. You know, mm-hmm. an orthopedic consultant might think differently to another orthopedic consultant, or I might mm-hmm. think differently to somebody else. And so, yeah. it's about it's about trying to get it right first time, and about trying to trying to get the best healing possible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some of the old some of the old electrotherapy machines we used to use, anecdotally, um, from my own view on it, 
when we were in the sports world, we would use them a couple of times a day. And so we'd get, mm-hmm. we'd, we'd get some really nice healing taking place in these kind of tears. Um, but from an evidence base, they're, they're not very good. So, mm-hmm. but anecdotally, you could get some good. They would help as one mm-hmm. of the ingredients of treatment. Yeah. But, um, uh, so that I think that's the traumatic one. Yeah. But the one I think you see most of is the degenerative, mm. weak, and then asked to do something. Uh, gradually, pain comes on. Yeah. Gradually, this tear kind of happens, and I think I think that's what you see most in clinic. Yeah. I think that's what people will experience most. Yeah. So, what does that situation look like, and then how would the approach differ? So. That, that in that situation it's a gradual onset right you can't um with a with a traumatic injury there's a healing time scale yeah so you're trying to fit your rehab against that healing time scale right so uh, and so the things you might do as a physiotherapist when you're guiding people the things you might do in the traumatic situation are based on your knowledge of how long that takes how long that section of healing takes how long that section of healing takes with a with a um a degenerative rotator cuff problem you you can't push them at all all right so you you have to be very patient so instantly that we know it's a degenerative cuff tear um, with a patient uh, and usually we know in clinic because we've given them a very simple exercise and it's flared it up mm-hmm. that that's how you know you've done your tests mm, things look a bit look a bit like there's a like there's a possible rotator cuff tear. you give them something really simple and it flares it up yeah and so with that with that at that point you go okay that was so simple why has that flared it up Mm. you accept that that point you've got to work at a lower level and so you find the right level of exercise for the degenerative rotator cuff tear yeah and you take your time yeah and you try and get everybody's mindset in the right mood to take their time Mm -hmm. and and that the difference there is the knowledge of healing time skills doesn't help because yeah. you, you, you're working with this um, with this rotator cuff that has its own mind almost, and it's going to yeah. work at its own level. Yeah, and and then the speed is much slower than than I would like, or the patient would like, or or would accept. But there's very little option in that in those circumstances. And. If we if we compare then the traumatic situation that healing time that you described the thought process um, correct me if I'm wrong would then be well actually this this can heal and we can get that tissue to a quality that was pretty uh, pretty close to where we were before or if not at least pretty good in that one that's developed over time are we still trying to affect that or actually is that something that we think well actually you know that's been there for so long that's the way that it is however don't worry we're going to do x y and z yeah uh, we we we're not our expectations are not of full recovery mm. i don't think with a with a degenerative cuff tear you can get to full range of movement no issues and what you have to do along the way as well is there'll be moments when other muscles try and take over in the shoulder 
So at that point, you've got to accept that you have to undo those bits. You have to mm -hmm. make those bits work normally again. And you have to try and keep this balance of everything else is doing its job. Keep the work of this degenerative rotator cuff in that area so it, it learns to do its job mm. in its own time. Yeah. Expectation-wise, there's going to be some limitations. very difficult to bring that back. Although, this is one of those... Um, this is one of those loading things yeah. where if I say I'm going to recover my degenerative cuff tear over four years, yeah, I'm not going to recover it over three months. Mm. I'm going to take four years to recover it. Then I think um, it, the sky's the limit there. Yeah, because you've you've given yourself the time and the the headspace to allow it to improve, and mm. you constantly aware that you're not going to push it you're just going to work with it all the time yeah gradually building up which sounds like a really long time yeah. however if we sort of compare say something like i don't know someone's never ran before yeah to then wanting to run a marathon yeah well they've got to build themselves obviously over time haven't they to be able to get to the point where a marathon distance is something they can do yeah. but it's yeah, that yeah. sort of comparison and analogy isn't it that i think I you and think I think you're into this psychology of, um, I mean, you're going to see a degenerative cuff tear mostly in people over over 50, mm. right? Maybe over 40 in some circumstances. And the, the mindset here is, um, is, is classic. You get people coming in who are like, oh, I'm after a PB. <laughs> uh, and I'm like, why are you trying to, I don't understand why you're trying to PB on, on your chest press. Yeah. lift or why are you trying to pb on a squat why don't you just keep really nice and strong without forcing it yeah. because what are we doing it for yeah it's nice to get pbs and things but why are we doing this we're doing it because we want to stay as fit and stronger for as long as mm. we can yeah and that mindset is really key with a degenerative rotator cuff tears you've got to say okay i've i've allowed my muscles to get weak i now need to make sure i cover all those bases off and i'll do it twice a week for 20 mm. 10 minutes five minutes yeah and gradually over the time it, it, you'll get to increase that yeah so if we come back to the original question <laughs> potato cuff tears does it matter mm. what well, we've 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 defined our question wrong. <laughs> we because um, we, uh, they're they're super painful, aren't they? Yeah, and they're and they're life limiting. Yeah, uh, and so in that sense, it matters. Yeah, because it's life limiting. Yeah, and then uh, what can you do about it? Uh, it matters that you get the right timing and the right level of exercise being. How much force you're going to put on it? How quickly? How fast you're going to try and push it? That's got to all be right. Mm. Uh, that matters. Yeah. And um, and unfortunately, although this is a bit of um, hindsight, uh, keeping your muscles, keeping your rotator cuff strong over the age of thirty by doing stuff above your head with weights and but not mm. forcing it and all those kind of things would be really useful. Yeah. Um, and so. And knowing that it is a rotator cuff tear is really useful as well. Mm. So my answer to that question is it does matter <laughs> on a number of levels. Perfect. Well, we answered it then. That's it. I'm we glad you took it. me through that. <laughs> well, pleasure, Matt.
Thank you. For your As time. always. That was really good. And yeah, I feel like we answered the question. Great. Speak to you soon. Yeah. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. Bye. So thanks as always for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then you can find other episodes that we've done at the PhysioPod on iTunes and Spotify. Until then, we'll be back with future episodes and podcasts discussing all the need to know physio topics there are. Until then, take care and we'll see you soon.